And so this morning I want to take you to a study in John chapter 5 with Jesus at the pool of Bethesda. John chapter 5, we begin in verse 3. And it says this in John chapter 5, verse 3. As Jesus came to the pool of Bethesda, he said, In these pools lay a multitude of individuals, blind, lame, and paralyzed. I'll stop right there. Jesus went to the place where people were in need. How many of you know that Jesus cares about those who are in need? He doesn't just keep walking and doing whatever he needs to do to exalt his name. He goes where people are in need. And this pool of Bethesda was a place where people would go because it was considered that when an angel would stir the waters, if you could get into the water at that time, you might be healed. And so all the lame and the infirmed would go to the pool of Bethesda. Do you know that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is that pool of Bethesda? This is to be the place where people come who are wounded, who are broken, who are lame. And they come here for the stirring of God to be healed. That's why you're here today. And we're here to help those who come and to be stirred in the waters of the Holy Spirit. Now, it says that there was a multitude of individuals in that place. I'm not talking about three or four. The writer says a multitude. Plethio is the Greek word. It's where we get plethora, multitudes, many, many, many people are gathered around. So you would almost think of it as a hospital ward, wouldn't you? Go into the ER right now and you'll see a plethora of people. <laughs> You will see many, many people laying around, the infirmed, the sick, and the unhealthy. People who are in that position go to a place where they hope to find what? Healing. Healing. And what has happened to the church is we've become a religious institution instead of a healing center. We've become a place where we, we dress up to impress instead of dressed down before a holy God so he could penetrate our hearts and stand before him. We have to become that pool of Bethesda. Jesus went there, and Jesus went where the multitudes were in need, and he walked among them. And what impresses me, it goes on to say, one man, say it with me, one man, one more time, one man out of what? A multitude. That's the sensitivity of Jesus. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, was Jesus walking blind till he saw that? He saw all of them. But there was something that moved Jesus about this man. When Jesus had saw him and knew that he had already been there a long time. See, this is what impresses me about Jesus. All of those people needed healing. All of those people needed deliverance. And Jesus was going to go to the cross to provide all that they needed. All of them could be healed through what Christ was going to do. But on that day, he went to the one that was the most destitute, the one that had been there the longest and waited the longest. 
I think not only was he crippled and paralyzed in his body, but probably his spirit was crippled and paralyzed because he would be brought there to sit. But he was such an invalid that he could not get to the pool when that water was stirred. It was almost a tease. It was almost so frustrating. I imagine his spirit was paralyzed too. What good is this? How many of you have ever been there? What good is praying? What good is hoping? This, this almost mocks me that I'm this close to where I could be healed and I'm not. How frustrating. But Jesus goes to those who are in the deepest need. Those of you who are so broken. Those of you who maybe don't even have enough faith anymore. But he is still faithful. And he finds the brokenhearted. And he goes to them and he went and he said, do you want to be healed? Duh. Yeah. Why do you think I'm here? But Jesus needs to hear it from us. He needs to connect what? Person to person. He needed to ask this man, what is your heart? What do you want? And the sick man said, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm going, another one steps in before me. How many of you felt like that? Somebody got their answer to prayer before me, and there's only so many answers to prayer. I'm not getting mine. But that's not our God. He doesn't number or dole out 12 prayers for the day. Sorry, we're closed. Quitting time. And he asked him, do you want to be healed? And, and the man said, yeah, but the only way for my healing I can't get to. And how many of you know Jesus makes another way? Every way and any way. And Jesus said to him, get up and pick up your mat and walk. Now, I don't know about you, but this could almost be mocking. I just told you I can't. I just told you I can't get to the water. And what Jesus is doing is he's saying, you don't need the water, you need me. And I have just spoken over your life. I would imagine that when Jesus spoke, something stirred in him. Something ignited in him when he saw this man, Jesus. And in the command of his voice, he said, stand up. And by the way, pick up that mat. You don't need it anymore. Pick it up. And at once the man was healed. The man took up his bed and walked. At the words of Christ, something began to shift in his legs his bones, his body was responding to the words of the Master, the Creator who made all things. For all things were created by him, for him, and through him. There was nothing made that was made if it wasn't made by Christ. And so when he said, pick up your mat, stand up, his legs had to respond to the command of Jesus, whether the man understood what was going on or not. And his legs click, 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 click. 
and he stood up and picked up his mat. Now, the story goes on to tell us that the Pharisees were upset about this. This is a problem. Because this is not what we're used to, and here's the worst part of it, it's the Sabbath. Jesus, you're asking this man to pick up this urine-soaked mat that smells of body odor and is weighed down and heavy, and you're asking him to carry it on the Sabbath. How insensitive to God. What have we done? What have we done to a relationship with God? It goes on to say in verse 16, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And the, and the, the, the verb tense for doing these things is a continual present tense. So he keeps doing these things on the Sabbath. He's always doing these things on the Sabbath. He's trying to teach them that the Sabbath was not, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath is the person-to-person -person time that you spend with God. Person-to-person. -person. That's what Jesus wanted to do with this man. Pick up your mat and give glory to God. That's what Sabbath is. Rest in God. Not in the things that the Jews added to this. Now, this is what he says in this statement. He goes on and answered them because he keeps doing things on the Sabbath. And he said this, My father is working until now and I am working. He specifically uses that in contrast to rest. Because what they're saying is you're supposed to rest on the Sabbath. That's what the command of God was in the Old Testament law. But they took it to mean so many more things. They added to the law of God rituals and rules. Because when you say you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, they figured out, well, what is work? I don't know. Let's get a committee together and figure out what that is. You can't walk this far. You can't tie a knot. You can't start a fire. You can't, because all that's going to take work. Do you see how they, they went past the intent of the law and created greater restrictions that had nothing to do with being in touch with the Father? And Jesus disrupts their thinking by saying, my father is working even to this present day. Wait a minute, working? It says that he rested on the seventh day. And you're missing everything. How do you think that this planet is sustained? How do you think that everything runs and operates? Father is over all. Father's mercy, God's grace never takes a break. Could you imagine? In fact, why then meet together on a Sabbath? Could you imagine praying on a Sunday? And the sign would say, sorry, go on fishing. I don't work on Sunday. God doesn't work. Well, the Sabbath's Saturday. I don't work on Saturday. Don't pray. So church, don't even bother praying on Saturday. God's resting. Leave them alone. That's how absurd it had gotten. And Jesus contrasts that and says, my father has been working from now. You see, the term for rest, on the seventh day he rested from his work. It's because it was complete. It was perfect. 
He, there was no more to create. He had created perfection. And so the rest wasn't, man, am I tired. Making that woman, that chick, man, from the guy that beat me. That was the pinnacle of creation, ladies. Once you were made, everything was perfect. From that point on. All right, somebody's paying attention. That was your opportunity. The guy's all muddy and dirty. She's gorgeous. This is good. But the term for rest there is it's complete. Why did God? And then the other term for the rest means that he is in session. He is seated, rested upon the throne of his glory to now rule and reign over all that he had created in perfection. There was just one problem coming. Man corrupted the entire thing. And Jesus said, God has been working ever since then to bring his mercy and grace to all of us. And Jesus said, and I am working that work. He is the pinnacle of what the Father's been doing. He is the redemption. He is the saving grace. He is the answer to the fallenness of our world to bring back creation to its proper place and order. I am working and I care for every human being and I will heal who I want to heal when I want to heal them. Thank God. He sustains all things. And so, he sustains the work of God's grace. And that is the work you and I are now to continue to do. We're to be meeting people person to person like Jesus did to reach out and to care for them and sustain the work of God. The church is the sustaining power of God's grace in the earth. We've forgotten that we're the vehicle, we're the body. He literally has called us his body. We're all looking for God to keep doing it from heaven. Send it down. Do your thing. And he said, I'm trying to, but my hands are not reaching. We're the hands. We're the feet. If God's going to do anything, he's got to do it through you. Praying, declaring, reaching, touching, sharing. That's what he has called us to do. And that takes us meeting people person to person. He said in this portion of Scripture, the same story, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he has seen the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. And greater works than these will He show Him so that you will marvel. Jesus only did what He saw His Father doing. So when Jesus walked into that multitude of people, He in the spirit realm saw the Father calling out that man. And by obedience to the Father, he went to that man and said, what do you want? Do you want to be healed? See, Jesus was operating. Every morning he would rise up early and he would do what? Pray. What do you think he was asking for? 
to see the Father's hand, to see the Father's will. What do you want me to do today? What are you going to do? And he would watch every day. Christian, this can make your life so exciting. If you would recognize that if you would just watch Jesus all day long, you could do what he is doing. That's what Jesus said. I'm doing what the Father shows me to do. Now, this upset the Jews because he called God his Father, making himself equal to him. And it said they wanted to kill him for that. Was Jesus wrong in what he said? No, it's exactly who he was. He said, you ain't seen nothing yet. He had a lot more healing to go on. This is just chapter 5 of John. But he goes on, he says this, for he... For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. If you notice, everything he's talking about are works. These aren't works to be saved. These are the works of representation. These are the works of evidence that God is in him. And we are to do good works which God has already prepared for us to do. We've become his workmanship that we may do these same works. We're supposed to be working. That's what the issue is with this Sabbath thing. He says God is working. Father is working. You don't understand Sabbath. Sabbath is about relationship with Father and Father sees you and his ministering needs and I'm working and I'll do great works. And I'll keep doing these works. And he goes on and he says, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his what? Work. This should be our statement. Would you say this with me? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's our statement. We're going to say it again, everybody. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You're on assignment. Now keep your eyes open as to what Jesus is doing because you have a work today. Today. Some of you, you have an appointment. You came to 9 o'clock service, so by 10, 30, 11 o'clock, you're on assignment. You're on call. You're on call right now. So when you leave these doors, watch and look for Jesus and listen to his voice because you're on call to do his works. Oh, pastor, but this is Sunday. This is the day I rest. My father is working even till this moment. Jesus is working up till now. You should be too. Amen? The works that we're talking about are to bring his will. This is is what Jesus said to the woman at the well. Remember, his disciples went on to get some food. He said, no, I, I need to come to this well. Why? There was one woman he wanted to see. And he went at a time when all the other women were gone. This woman came later in the day because she had a reputation. She didn't want to get caught up in the gossip of all the other women there. So she would come purposely later so that she wouldn't have to put up with the slander and the gossip because she was living with a man that was not her husband. And she would go there and she met Jesus and Jesus told his disciples, I must go 
to this well. You go to the deli, I'm going to go do my father's will. And when they came back, they said, but what about food? He said, my food is to do the will of my father. It's more important than eating. It's more important than anything else. It's what consumes me. It's what feeds me. I hope that your will, your food, is to do the will of God. And again, the person-to-person character of God. He went after the one. I would imagine he went after this woman because she probably was weeping on the way to the well. Oh, my life is horrible. Oh, could somebody rescue me? But I'm a Samaritan. Oh, that, that God would look down on me. And God met this woman person to person. And she became a great revivalist. How many of you know that? He goes on and says this in John 14, 11, and 12. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Why? What did these works do? What were the works of Christ? The works of Christ were to minister to people's lives. He set people free. He cast out demons. He healed the broken. He set those who were blind free to see. The captives he set free. This is the Father's will. Person to person, Father cares for the lost and the dying and the crippled and the wounded of this world. And if we really believe that that's who Jesus is and Jesus is in us, we should be doing the exact same thing. If there are no works in the church under his testimony, shut the place down. Well, we don't need it anyways because I can just watch online or I can just go visit a YouTube or I can do this. Nothing against you watching online. God bless you all. But if the extent of our Christianity is watching TV, if the extent of our Christianity is reading a book and learning more about Jesus but not manifesting him person to person, what good is it? Somebody reached you. Now go reach them. I'm not done reading yet. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. They'll also do the works. We're back to the works. And greater works than these he will do because I'm going to my Father. What he means by that is he'll release the Spirit and he'll put himself in every believer and therefore we just have to deliver Jesus to everyone we meet. Amen? Amen? Now, some people get hung up on this. Yeah, but the greater works. I have to raise the dead. I have to heal the blind. I have to do that. I've prayed. It doesn't work. What good is it? Oh, it's more expansive than that. Can you go to a well to a woman that's broken down and tell her about the, the, the God who gives living water? Jesus didn't heal her or heal her body. He spoke truth into her. Can you do that? Yes. Can you lay hands on the sick? Yes. Will they recover? Some do, some don't. Pick up his mat and carry it for him. Be the healing. It's so vast in all of this. Don't quit on any of it, but do the work. The church is going to do greater works than Christ alone has done. And it's happening right now around the world, around the globe. Jesus is touching lives person to person.
As you sent me into the world, Jesus is praying, so I have sent them into the world. To do what? The works that he did. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That's it, folks. So if we're going to reach people person to person, if we're going to disciple them, if we're going to mentor them, if we're going to love on them the love of Christ, we have to do the work. We have to show up and care. That's what he's asking us to do. Let me give you a a testimony that happened to my wife and I. The mercies of Cracker Barrel. My wife and I, we were going on vacation last year and and, uh, got up uh, the next morning on our trek and decided to have breakfast at at Cracker Barrel. We were heading to Maine last year. And uh, so as we were going in, we we got our seats and sat down and uh, my wife couldn't see him. She was facing this way, I was facing the other way. And I I noticed this family, it was a young family, a husband and wife, and they had three little girls. And I was just struck at the beauty of that table, the way they were paying attention to their kids. The dad was coloring with the one daughter and the mom was talking to the other two and discussing and they were all eating their meal. And I thought, that's cool. You know, you could just tell the attention these parents were giving to the kids. And I thought, man, that is cool. And the Lord said to me, pay for their breakfast. And I said, one, two, three, four, five. It's five. Lord, we're just starting our vacation. I don't have enough money to pay for five breakfasts. We just have enough to pay for ours and hopefully the hotel for the next night till we get there. This was my inner conversation with Jesus. I just don't have it. I just don't have it. And so then I got into a discussion, you know, really, what, what is that going to do? <laughs> I wanted to reason with him. I don't see the importance of this. And he said, if I want to show them my kindness and mercy through you, I will. That's all this is? You just want to show them your mercy? Does it have to be me at this time? And you go on, I don't know about you, but I have discussions with the Lord about these things. You know... There is a plethora of people here. How am I going to go about doing this? Are you sure? And uh, so time went on, and I, wasn't, I was losing my appetite. It was like, I've learned by now, if you don't obey, the rest of your day is just wrecked. <laughs> it's like, okay. And I saw the, the uh, uh, waitress bring the bill, and the guy, the dad, young man, he got the bill, he brought out his wallet, he looked inside and he closed it and he put it back. I thought, oh man. All right. And then the, the, the wife and two of the girls got up. I, I figured to go to the bathroom and they're sitting there and I thought, oh, all right, I better do this. And Lisa said, what's going on? What's wrong? <laughs> I said, the Lord wants me to pay for their breakfast. She said, well, go. <laughs> you should have talked to her. So I got up and went over to the guy and I said, look, you're going to think this is weird. I'm, 
I've done this enough to just start with that. I don't care anymore. You're going to think this is weird, but God told me to buy you your, lunch, your breakfast for you. What? No. He said, you don't have to do that. And I went over there because I didn't want to get into an argument, and I took the bill, and I said, no, God wants me to, you to understand something. He wants to show you his kindness and his mercy. And uh, he had impressed upon me about the wife, and I said, you're, you, you have a, a wonderful wife who's so attentive to her family. She's a good woman, and God wants you to receive his kindness today. And I said, I'll pay that. And he goes, what? No. No, you don't have to do that. No, no, no. What? No. Don't do that. No, I said, no, really. It's okay. It's all right. I got this. I put it in my pocket. It's good. And I went back where I sat. And the guy's like, And from his seat, he's yelling across the restaurant, you don't have to do that. I said, oh, it's okay. No, you don't. Come on. Are you kidding? You don't have to do that. And I said, no, God wants to show you his kindness and bless you as a family. You're an amazing family, and he wants you to know that. And he's, so we're eating our meal. He finally gets up and ready to pay. And he walks over to me with this face stunned. And he said, I don't know what God told you about my wife, but her father died yesterday. And she's a good woman, and she just needed to hear from God. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So awesome. And I was just glowing in that, and that was awesome. And that was great. And we finished our breakfast and feeling good, and then it was like, oh, shoot. I forgot to check the bill. <laughs> so I look at the bill. It was $20. They bought one breakfast and split it between the five of them because they didn't have the money. And that's person to person. You don't know this stuff, but Jesus does. He wants you to touch lives. And you may not get it, you might be confused, you may not have enough, you don't understand it. None of that matters because he's working. He's working and he expects you to do the work. Now in conclusion, I just give you these three essential things for being person to person. You see, this is mentoring, this is discipleship. When you show someone, you don't know if they're a believer or not, but when you show them the grace of God, the love of God, you have just mentored the kingdom to them. Three essential things we have to remember. Number one, be there. What do I mean by that? Be present in every situation. This was one, some of the best advice I was ever given. Our general overseer, Mike Player, at one time, he was the overseer, he said this, Tim, he said, if there's anything I could share with you, it's be there. I said, what do you mean? He said, be present in the conversation. And I don't know if the Holy Spirit was reading my mail or what, but I'm the, I tend to be the kind of guy where when I'm in one situation, I'm thinking about the next thing I have to do. I got to do this, I got to make these phone calls, I have to answer that, and I have to do this. Oh, yeah, right, whatever you were saying. And I have to do that. And he said, be there. Another way is, you know what, when you go to your restaurant, when you go to sit down, when you go to somebody's house, when you're talking to somebody, put your phone away, please. But I'm alone, eating alone. Be there. 
Scan the restaurant. Scan the store. Be there. Jesus is walking in that store. Follow him. Walk down the aisle. The lady that's irritating you because she's in the middle stopping. Be there. Be present. If we're going to avail ourselves to the work of the Lord, person to person with people, you have to show up mentally, spiritually. Be present. Be there. Don't get distracted. Be an agent of grace. Number two, do not make judgments. This shuts down the gentle, small voice of God directing you. This has happened to me too many times where God's uh, finally got through. Hello. But I've made judgments. I'm thinking, oh, this guy smells. Oh, that guy's an addict. It doesn't matter to Jesus. He's a soul. Well, that guy, I mean, I, a situation I had where a guy had an atheist tattoo, I figured no use talking to him, and that's the guy God told me to talk to. But I made the judgment he's not worthy. I made, all right, maybe it's not a judgment to you. Stop forming opinions in the situation. Everyone, God loves everyone and wants his grace shared with everyone. Everyone. So be there, be present, don't make judgments on the situation or on people, and then do what he says. That's doing the works. But I have to work up the Holy Spirit. No, you don't. Jesus said it. My Father is working till now, I am working till now, and I'm getting you to work. Show up. Be attentive. Don't judge and do what I tell you to do. If I tell you to pay for the bill, pay for the bill. And he'll be gracious in that too. Care. What we're trying to do is engage a true Christianity as to how it was designed and meant to perform. You and I are to reach the lost person to person, doing the works that sustain the grace of God in people's lives. Will you do this? Yes, it is my meat to do the Father's will. It is my food to do the Father's will. It is your food. Let's bow our heads.